North Korean Rus. The image of Democratic People's Republic of Korea in Russian propaganda. Hello, everybody. This is True Crime Podcast from the Hybrid Warfare Analytical Group at Ukraine Crisis Media Center, where we take on Russian propaganda and discuss hybrid threats and influence tools they use. In this episode, we will reveal and analyze the key aspects of the alternative reality that the Russian Federation has created around its cooperation with the DPRK using Kim Jong-un's recent visit to Russia as an example. We will also decipher the messages that the Kremlin is attempting to convey to the international community through its cooperation with North Korea. The convergence between Moscow and Pyongyang is causing concern in the West because of the supply of North Korean weapons to the theater of the Russian-Ukrainian war. Against this backdrop, Russia does not shy away from using the image of the odious Kim regime to straighten one of its propaganda functions, intimidation of opponents. Historical continuity. Good old friends. Russia's propaganda framework for cooperation with the DPRK is based on the narrative of historical friendship between Moscow and Pyongyang. The international community views of the DPRK as an archaic regime with a backward economy, an alliance with it only served to highlight the Kremlin's isolation. So, Russia is looking for arguments for cooperation with it for both domestic and external audiences. On the eve of Kim's visit, Russian propagandists began to spread the notion that the end of August was a critical time for a relationship between Moscow and Pyongyang, because historically, visits by North Korea leaders and meetings with Russian leaders occurred during this time period. The emphasis here was on how expanding cooperation with the DPRK helps Russia strengthen its position in the East Asian region and influence the situation on the Korean Peninsula. In this regards, Mikhail Vinogradov specifically mentioned previous visits by representatives of the Kim dynasty to the USSR and Russia. The rhetoric of historical continuity feeds North Korean personality cult as it is accompanied by messages that flatter the regime and its leaders. The myth of the strategic friendship between two regimes is developed by publicist Nikolai Vavilov. When Kim Jong-un came to power, the Daipur began to Russify itself in a hurry. We hardly ever talked about it. It was a different time before the FOE Orthodox churches and the Orthodox community of North Koreans appeared in the DPRK. A lot of work is being done in this direction. Alexander Matsuroga, the Russian ambassador to North Korea, also lavishes Kim Jong-un with compliments. Kim Jong-un, for example, was interested in the economy and social life in Russia during his visit, according to him, and demonstrated extensive knowledge of the country. A signal to the domestic customer of propaganda? We are scary. By covering Kim Jong-un's visit, propaganda sends a message to his domestic audience. Russia is a state with real international influence, capable of lighting the fuse of escalation in East Asia. The Far East summit between Russian President Vladimir Putin and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has caused hysteria among Western politicians. They are concerned that, in addition to supplying weapons, North Korea will send military personnel to Russia, writes propagandist Vladimir Solovyov. 
Russian political analyst Sergei Markov suggested a possible contract between the DPRK and Russia. Uh, Russia gives the DRP a lot of food. Russia has it. The DPRK gives Russia millions of artillery shells. The DPRK has it. Even after the North Korean leader's armored train left Russia, military propagandist Alexander Kotz continued the narrative that the West is afraid of cooperation between the two dictators. DPRK leader Kim Jong-un ended his enchanting visit to Russia finally trying on a warm gift, a beanie hat, a clear foreshadowing of the upcoming hot winter. And the mystery is simple. Why do some people wear flaps when Kim is wearing a hat? A signal to the international community. We are dangerous. Throughout the information campaign surrounding Kim and Putin's meeting, Russian propaganda emphasized how the two countries can and will straighten each other's military. The DPRK-related news items were used to reinforce the notion that Russia has allies and that their combined capability is more than sufficient to defeat the West on the battlefield. According to a number of that channel, the Russian Federation can count on shells, heavy equipment, including MLRS and tactical missile system, which could well be our response to the possible appearance of American Atacom missiles, with an accuracy that will be no less than that of Iskander. Georgi Kulikovsky describes in detail the elements of Korean weapons in which Russia is interested, in order to create the illusion of the importance of successful negotiations between Kim and Putin. The Hwasong-5 and upgraded Hwasong-6 missile systems would also be interesting. Uh, the Koreans have also improved the accuracy of these missiles, which could be very effective against the Kokol's strategic infrastructure. The propagandist emphasizes that Korean equipment in the hands of the Russian Federation will be a warsy counter to advanced Western technologies currently in use in Ukraine. At the same time, narratives about armed supplies work both ways. Some propagandists claim that the DPRK missiles and ammunition could provide Russia with a critical advantage in Ukraine. Others contend that Russia could provide the DPRK with highly sensitive military technologies that would pose a threat to South Korea and Japan. The meeting between Putin and Kim at the Cosmodrome is a hint to the U.S. that Russia may transfer new missile technologies to the deep park. Right, Sergei Markov. It has long been necessary to transfer missile technology to the DPRK in order for the DPRK to target all the cities with new long-range missiles. In exchange, 200,000 Korean soldiers will be sent to the United States and 500,000 Korean workers will be sent to Russia. The Alternative World Order Russia's official propaganda often employed the narrative of establishing a new world order, a multipolar world that will no longer be focused on the collective West and, in particular, the United States of America. Russian representatives raised the issue at both the BRICS and Russia-Africa summits. This distorted lens was also used to cover Kim Jong-un's visit to Russia. The use of quote-unquote signs to support propaganda was a recurring theme in the messages that accompanying news of Kim Jong-un's visit to Russia. Russian propaganda actively involves employees of scientific institutes in expressing their opinions, lending the narratives more authority, 
for both international and domestic audiences. For example, Alexander Rebin, a Russian scholar at the Center for Korean Studies, suggested that there is a certain U.S.-Japan-South Korea triangle that creates a veil to deter Russia, China, and the DPRK. Rebin cites Russia's aggression against Ukraine as a pretext for erecting this veil, noting that all the charges brought against Russia are fabricated. In the current circumstances, it would be quite natural to counteract the enemy's plans, the scientist notes. The narrative of a new world order emerges from criticism of the current world order. Throughout this land, the Russian Federation has consistently justified its aggression in Ukraine as a defense against a fictitious enemy, the collective West. Japan and South Korea are also listed as enemies that pose a threat to global security in the context of relations with the DPRK. According to propagandists, the situation in Ukraine has harmed relationship between Russia and South Korea, as Seoul has joined the Western line in support of Kyiv against Russia. The potential supply of South Korean arms to Ukraine is referred to as a Western attempt to destroy the Asia-Pacific security architecture. The narrative of a new world order is beneficial to North Korea, as it opens up space for opportunities to break out of isolation and preserve the regime. Kim Jong-un stated during his visit to Russia that The Russian army and people will undoubtedly win a great victory in the sacred struggle to punish evil and create a stable environment for development. Russia, according to North Korea leader, has begun a sacred struggle to defend its own security. The scene of self-defense and security guarantees is not new in the rhetoric of Russia and the DPRK. Similar narratives were already heard after the meeting between Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin in 2019, when Russian leaders said that the DPRK needs guarantees of its security and preservation of sovereignty. As a result, the DPRK is formulating rhetoric to build up its nuclear weapons on the Russian model. In solidarity with Russian propaganda, Kim Jong-un sent on the ninth session of the DPRK Supreme People's Assembly that Japan, South Korea, and the United States has actually formed an Asian version of NATO, which is a destabilizing factor in the region. Conclusions Russia uses any excuse to create an alternative reality. In the case of cooperation with the DPRK, it has several components. First, Russia instrumentalizes information about possible cooperation with North Korea to blackmail the collective West. Mainly, propaganda messages are aimed at limiting Kyiv's support for the Russian-Ukrainian war by threatening to expand cooperation with Pyongyang at areas sensitive to regional security. Secondly, the discussion of relationship with the DPRK is aimed at domestic consumers as well. The Reverend Grasserick seeks to bolster Russian public confidence in the absence of the Putin regime's isolation, attempting to persuade Russians of the victorious outcome of the so-called SVO, which refers to the supply of ammunition and manpower from the DPRK. Furthermore, the Russian Federation sees the DPRK as a potential partner in the development of the alternative world order narrative. 
In this case, the multipolar world is one that listens to and works with Russia, thereby supporting the alternative reality it has created and justifying its genocidal war in Ukraine. All of these elements are supported by the narrative of the two countries' long-standing friendship, as well as the use of academics and officials to spread propaganda.